0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
1: Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee?
0: And does it smell good? Wolfing down your lunch. (laughs) Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey, boy. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination.
2: All right, it is noon on a Wednesday. It is time for Wolf and Down Your Lunch. Aaron Maloney is here with all of your top sports stories in one place. As usual, Aaron.
3: So the Phoenix Suns took game two against the Clippers, 123-109, to tie the series at one game apiece. Here's Suns head coach Monty Williams.
4: I think that's just playoff basketball. Um, When you have a close game like this, it's going to be ugly. There's going to be some calls that you don't like. There's going to be some physicality. Um, there's going to be situations where there's going to be breakdowns, and you got to put the fire out on the backside, and those things happen. Um, emotions are high, um, and I, I like the guys uh, the way they're getting after each other because they're holding each other accountable, and that that's the sign of a close team. And so, all that stuff is just a part of playoff basketball, in my opinion.
3: So, other than Devin Booker's performance, because we will get to book. What was your biggest takeaway from the Suns game to win? Uh,
2: I just like that they were able to, I, I don't like that they were down by as much as they were, but I like to see them bounce back in yeah. a playoff game, in game, and also bouncing back from the, the, the game one loss and, uh, and and go out there and get a win. That has, that's been missing for the last six playoff games prior to that.
1: Yeah, I would say the fact that the core four at one point in the game took over the game. Their core four. DeAndre Ayton in that first half scoring 12 points. There was a time where it was only D.A. that seemed to be scoring the basketball. And then KD took over as well and abandon all hope ye who enter here or guard Kevin Durant in that situation and then it was Book in the third quarter taking over and then I would say I would argue in the last three minutes of the game CP3 took over and suddenly changed the game to a point where it was a runaway for the Phoenix Suns after it was a two possession game six point lead until Chris Paul ended it in the last three minutes of that game so to me, that's my biggest takeaway.
3: CP3, right in the last three. CP clutch. Devin Booker had 38 points in the win as he and Kevin Durant combined for a total of 63 points. And we can mark that off as a win for you and I, Wolf. Here's Monty oh, after boy. the game.
4: I thought the spacing was a lot better tonight. I thought we were um, organized a little bit better than we were the other day. But just having the balance of him and Kevin being able to get to their spots with a live ball helps but I thought Chris did a really good job of just putting the ball in Book's hand and saying you go and Chris was on the second side so you know Book scores in a number of ways Um, and when he's going like that I think the team feeds off of his
2: high level play if you
4: will
3: How good was D-Book last night?
2: Uh, This is why you have built a team around him. You sort of it's it's a little untraditional, I guess, because we're not used to building a team around a guy means bringing in two Hall of Famers that want to play around him. It's usually, you you know, you, you draft pieces and put them around him. But that was just a reminder, as if anybody needed it, of what Devin Booker is is, uh, is capable of at any time. It's funny, Wolf, we were at the game last night, you and I, and Kevin Zimmerman was there and Dave Burns was there. And at one point, I turned to Dave Burns in the first half, and I think it was when Booker missed kind of an easy shot. And I was like, you know, this is, this is when Devin Booker used to take over playoff games. And I don't think he missed a shot after that, Yeah, there's
1: no doubt. Uh, he was legendary. Kobe told him to be legendary. And anyone who watched that game, Devin Booker was legendary. Especially in that third quarter coming out and seizing control of the game at that point in time. And all the Clippers could do, and Kawhi, is sit and watch.
3: So do you think that light bulb has gone off for Bub? Think he can follow it up again with another legendary performance in L.A.?
1: Not saying he will, but could he? Oh, yeah.
2: Don't no I think there's extra, I, 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 maybe not value, but like, don't you think it's easier for the team to follow when Booker does it too? Like if Kevin sure. Durant, if those, if those two had flipped and KD had done it, it'd be awesome. And it's a reminder of what KD's capable of too, as if we need that reminder. But I feel like when Book does it, it's like, for the guys that have been here for a while, like, okay, here we go. There we yeah, go.
1: I, I would expect maybe Ty Lu and the Clippers to flip their attention, so to speak. More on Devin Booker. And now maybe KD might go off. <laughs> Kevin or Devin. That's it's nice to have both of them.
3: So our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com, and it asks, did Game 2's win restore your confidence in the Suns? Your choice is, the Suns are winning it all. Phoenix will advance past LA, or ask me again after Game Three.
2: <laughs> I, I think the Suns will beat the Clippers because I don't know that that Kawhi and Russ like his, his only. And who's he gonna get help from other than Russell Westbrook offensively <laughs> consistently night and even Russ isn't really consistent. Russ. Um, <laughs> Russ. But if if the Suns, if they have a performance like that, or like you said, if, if next game it's okay, we gotta focus on Booker and then KD goes off, I don't know if the Clippers have the, the firepower to keep up with that. I'm not gonna say they're winning at all because of that. Yeah. I mean, my pick before the playoffs was that they're gonna win at all, so I I mean I guess I'm already locked into that. But last night's game didn't make me think they're winning at all, but it did make me think they're definitely beating L.A. Yeah,
1: I'm not making a prediction, but I'm going to say, because I said it before, they win it all, all right? So I'm going to stick to it, man. I'm going to stick to what I said.
2: Usually, you, you would go with the ask me again after game three option. Yeah. Usually,
3: he would go with an option that's not even an option. That, he that's
2: made a true. guess. Okay.
1: And, yeah. Okay. All right, now, What's your point? So,
3: 67% <laughs> say ask me again after game three. 26% say Phoenix will advance past L.A. And then 7% say the Suns are winning it all and planning the parade with Wolf. <laughs> he does
1: love a parade. I love a parade. Love a parade.
3: So the NBA executive vice president and head of basketball operations said Draymond Green's excessive and over-the-top actions and his history as a repeat offender were instrumental in the league's decision to suspend him for Game 3 of the Golden State Warriors Western Conference first-round series against the Sacramento Kings. Here's Adrian Wojnarowski on the Warriors' reaction.
2: One word, uh, livid. And they were certainly didn't agree with the one-game suspension. I think they were surprised at it. Uh,
5: no question about that. They certainly went through this and the finals with Cleveland losing Draymond Green for a game uh, in 2016, mm-hmm. but they're
2: going to have to live with it. Uh, he's, you know, appeals don't really. Uh, there's really nowhere to go with an appeal uh, in these situations.
3: Your reaction to that?
2: I, I don't. <sighs> How how livid can you be? Are you really that shocked he got suspended for stepping on a guy's chest? I understand, and they've obviously shown the replay a billion times. Sabonis plays it up a little bit, and Sabonis is holding his ankle. But come on, man. Like, you think you're going to get away with that? I was just talking
1: about this. I was just talking about Draymond Green and what drives me crazy about Draymond Green. It's not his competitiveness. It's not the fact he goes out and he's physical and he bangs away. It's everything else after he does it. That's why he got suspended. If you listen, if you read between the lines of what the league said, his history of acting like this, it was not what he did. As much as it was how he
2: acted after he did it. Yeah, he, he Unbelievable. Left, he left the court like a wrestler. They're showing the replay again.
1: And it's not just that. It was how, what he was doing to the fans and what he was, how he was acting well, to everyone else. He's done for
2: the last 10 years, it's, too. If Steph Curry does that, maybe he doesn't get suspended. But it's Draymond Green. And look, Draymond Green's been a huge part of them winning how many titles? But he's a... The main reason, in my mind, they lost that title to Cleveland because he kicked LeBron that one year when they were up 3-1. And
1: this is the same kind of stuff. Yes, he's becoming a clown. And, And that's not what I think of when I think of Draymond Green competing. It's everything else he does around the act of actually competing while the game is going on inside the lines. I love what he does inside the lines. Love it all. Except when the whistle blows and he starts acting.
2: What are you doing? Yeah, I feel like I have to say this. I know we're late to break, but I was listening. to, I think it was Bill Simmons' podcast last week. Brian Windhorst was on, and he said, "If the Suns hadn't gone out and Kevin Durant, he definitely saw them as players to go oh, get Draymond oh, Green." No, no. So just Please, no. so there you go, just to see your reaction right there. It's from last, I think, Thursday. Uh, all right, that was wolfing down your lunch. Thank you, Aaron, as always. When we come back, should the Suns or the Clippers be more encouraged with the series being split in Phoenix after two games? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Fight. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Baltra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now.
2: Well, certainly today, if you're a Suns fan, you feel good about what happened last night, right? You get the win. You feel good. Um, yeah. If you told me the Suns are going to split at home, I'd prefer they won the second game because I, I still have the sense with this team, and maybe this is just my misperception or whatever, I guess we'll find out, that they're going to only get better as these playoffs go, and the, the challenge is going to be how long can they stick around early, right? Can they hang around long enough to kind of find who they are? So anytime they have a win, like last night, I at least in my mind there's an option that that might have been a big turning point for this team whereas if they won the first game and lost the second game it's like alright whatever uh, but if you're the Clippers I get it you're happy you went on the road and you got the split here's Ty Lu yesterday
0: um, I feel good I feel good where we're at you know and um you know, our guys are gonna keep competing and gonna keep scrapping. You know, and you know, we think we can win the series. And so that's the biggest thing. You know, hundred percent of the battles is believing. And we believe we can do it. Um, like I said, clean up some things and do some things a little different. Um, but like I said, um I like where we're at and I like what we what we did tonight.
1: Yeah, he should. Seriously. He just said it right there, it just so true. we believe we can win the series. I don't think there's any doubt of that. I don't think he's He's given us a bunch of baloney. I don't. I think Ty Lue is speaking what he believes and what guys inside that locker room believe. For the Clippers, they can win the series. That, and again, when you think about it, he came in here. That's why game one was so important. That's why it was critical. And that starts with the first quarter of game one. If you're going to actually gain confidence in a series, you got to win quarters and end up winning games. And that's exactly what they did in game one. Guess what? They came back again, game two, won the first quarter. Looked like they were going to win the half when they were up by 13 in that second quarter. This is all confidence building. This is all tape that Ty Lue can sit his guys down in an office and say, look at this. Watch this. You guys think you can't compete with these guys? You don't think you can play with these guys? Watch this. Look at this. Here's what we did wrong, A, B, C, whatever it may be. This is, man, I was thinking about this. We're all encouraged, of course, because we think the Phoenix Suns are going to win the series. But that, but that
2: felt like relief last night. The Suns winning was like, <laughs> yes. okay, good. Like, this is yes. not, not going to get weird.
1: Yes, we, we're encouraged. But the Clippers, if you were going to ask me, who's more encouraged today? I'll tell you, it's the Clippers. You think it's the Clippers? Yes! Here, here's they more. They came in here, got the split. Here's Kawhi. I'm in a good place. Uh,
4: you know, we we split uh, on the road, so we got to go back home and try to protect our home floor. Oh,
2: he's starting to sound like Bill Belichick in a press conference right there. Oh, yeah. Kawhi just makes me nervous. He just, he just makes me nervous. The guy doesn't talk much, and he can put 38 on you like he did in Game 1. But the Clippers, the rest of the team... I'm still basically with where I was coming into the series on the rest of the team, other than Russell Westbrook has sure, been better right. than I thought he'd be.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. But again, stop and think about it. From the Clippers' perspective, brothers, think about this. Here they are. They've got the split. Not only that, they were in this game. They were right there once again. Both Three, of these
2: games could have gone either way. That's right. Absolutely.
1: 302. 302, Mark. Go look at it. 115-109. to It's a six-point game at that point, with three minutes to go in the game. (laughs) Ty Lue can point to this stuff, Kawhi Leonard, everybody that plays for the Clippers and go, Boys, do we belong on the floor with this team? Even with Kevin Durant? Even with D-Book? Do we belong? Yes, we do. So when I hear Ty Lue say, yeah, we believe we can win the series. I don't think that's garbage. I don't think that's a bunch of bull. Uh, I I don't think that's coach speak.
2: No, I think that's that's, legit. That's a good point of they're not intimidated, right? You're not going to be intimidated when you have Kawhi. You're not going to be intimidated when you have Ty Lue. It's funny. They actually used seven guys off their bench last night, although three of them only played one minute. But um, they've got a good team. This is a team that going into the season, and again, that's with Paul George healthy, um, but going into the season, a lot of people... We're picking them to win the title, the yeah. Clippers. So they, if you're putting yourself in the Clippers' shoes, they're probably walking around like, yeah, look, we just had bad luck with injuries, but we can beat this team, you know? So the intimidation factor, I don't think, is there. Whereas if the Suns were playing Oklahoma City or even Minnesota maybe in the first round, I think they would, you would have a little bit of that, man. Yeah, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Like, come on. Kind of like Terrence Mann said before this series when they asked him. And he's like, I mean, they've got Kevin Durant. What do you want me to say? But I don't think all the Clippers feel that way. And it starts with Kawhi and obviously Ty Lue. You
1: Yeah, know, it's it's so cool that you say that right there about Kevin Durant. You know, we got Kevin Durant and everything else. Because, to me, he he is a guy that destroys and demoralizes the opposing team. <laughs> <laughs> he is... I mean, you watch him play. The, the Clippers were up on him. They were playing him so tough. And he was just pulling up, elevating, floating through the air with the greatest of ease, high-pointing the ball, and finding nothing but net a lot of the time. Now, he didn't have as much success in Game 2, shooting the ball. It wasn't like he was bad, but he was 0 for 4 from beyond the arc. Okay? He he wasn't lights out like he he typically is, wasn't that efficient. But I mean, when you guard him as tough as they were guarding him and he still just is draining the
2: ball in your
1: face. That's to be demoralizing. Do. Yeah.
2: No, and I, I kind of think uh, in some ways that's symbolic of this series. They, I know they're tied at one apiece. I know it's the playoffs. Everybody controls their own destiny in the playoffs. But doesn't it kind of feel like the Suns control their own destiny in this series? Whereas if they go out there and play to their capability, at a certain point there's, there's only so much firepower on the Clippers beyond Kawhi. We're at, but if, you know, if the Suns slip up at all, then you know, you know, Kawhi, Kawhi is so consistently just effective that if you slip up and you have a you have a bad start in Game Three, or you know, Chris Paul's not hitting his shots in the clutch, probably going to lose that game. Yeah. Kawhi's going to set that bar, and that team's going to set that bar at a certain level where the Suns can clear it if they play to their potential. And I don't think there's any way the Clippers can really do anything about it. It's almost it's almost like trying to block a KD shot, right? right. But uh, you know, if the Suns aren't going to clear that bar, then. I just think the Clippers kind of are where they are, and it's you're either going to over or you're going to beat them like the Suns did last night, or if you don't, if you don't show up at, at near the top of your game, you're probably going to end up losing games.
1: Yeah, and KD he's one of those guys again that can demoralize the other team. It's some players you play against space they make you sad. Sad or mad, <laughs> one of the two things, right there. Boy,
2: this baseball game is making me sad and mad. Do you what? see the score right oh, now? Oh <laughs>
1: my goodness, what happened? I believe it oh. was
2: just a grand slam. I don't know who hit it, but it is now fourteen to four, St. Louis. Oh. Okay, yeah. Well, anyway. Speaking
1: of that, I was I was talking about Kevin Durant Good, and yes. how much get better, how much better he is than so many guys that are playing against him. I. I remember what it was like to play against Lawrence Taylor. I use him all the time. Uh, Mike Singletary. Can I tell you, Mike Singletary wasn't a big guy. He was just better than you. He was just going to beat your face into the ground, okay? Mike Singletary, Sing Sing, is what we call him. One of the toughest individuals I've ever gone up against. But Lawrence Taylor was a guy that was abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Because he, you just, he was better than you. You knew he was better than you. He was gonna give you the long face, where your eyebrows sag and the corners of your mouth droop. What's Every that? time you tried to block Lawrence Taylor,
2: he didn't make you mad; he made you sad. What's that line from uh, from Dodgeball? Have you seen Dodgeball? No, um, whatever. It's uh, Ben Stiller where he's like, "Hey, here at, at Globo Gym, we're better than you, and we know it."
1: <laughs> They're just, and that's the way it was. And then I, I was thinking that watching KD even though book you know scored 38 and was much more efficient uh kd just watching him some of these mid-range game where these guys are trying to get up in his grill it's just demoralizing we're
0: better than you and we know it <laughs>
2: I don't there know. It is. I don't know how you had that ready that quickly. There it said, is. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, all right, text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line at 620-620 Right now, when we come back. Did Devin Booker just save the series with that performance last night? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Arizona Sports. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Baltra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. I don't know
2: why we're talking about all this other stuff today, Wolf, and we could just be talking about Devin Booker's performance last night. We could just do that for four hours. That was one for the ages. Um, I, it was Eddie Johnson that was on with us earlier. Said he's not surprised by it. I don't. I don't know that no. any Suns fan is surprised by no. it. Still amazed by it, though. And it, 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 given the context of where that was, if you go down 0-2 to L A, going to L A, then just it's simple math. You're going to beat Kawhi's team four out of five times when you're yeah. when you haven't figured it out yet yeah. either. Like it, that's the other part of last night. If they lost that game, we wouldn't be here today saying okay they got to win four of the next five, but they are locked in. It would be they've got to win four of the next five, and we still don't totally know what they are. Whereas at some point in that game last night, Devin Booker just said, we're not losing this game. And that's what it's all about to me. We're just we're not losing this game. And it wasn't just he said that and got frustrated. He said that and then won the game.
1: Yeah, I talked a little bit about this the last time we were talking about Devin Booker specifically, but he was aggressive. He came out and he was looking for a shot. I thought in that first quarter, he was three of five, as a matter of fact, in that first quarter. The only one who attempted more shots was Kevin Durant. KD actually was two of six... Okay, but KD came out, and he was aggressive as well, looking for his shot. And don't tell me
2: that was coincidence. <laughs> no. Okay, that was not coincidence. If we were all saying it after game one, you know they already yes. knew it during game one, probably, that they had to fix it for game two. Yeah,
1: so I thought he was aggressive coming out, but it wasn't like he was lighting it up. I, I mean, he had eight points. It's pretty mundane for Devin Booker, eight points in that first quarter. I think he had 13 at the half. Mm-hmm. 13 is what he but had. You half half. Time, like, but you could tell at halftime, like, oh, here yeah. we go. <laughs> because of that last shot yeah. that he hit, too. Yeah. Oh, he hit that three to tie it up 59 59. And you just, that was setting the table for something legendary to happen. In that third quarter, and that's exactly what we saw.
2: That's this series, and why I think a lot of people outside these two cities, like we were talking to Brian Windhorst yesterday, he's like, "I love this series, right?" I know you guys just want to see the Suns win, but but with Kawhi and KD matching up finally after all these years, you've got three players in this series that at any point could just go off. And Kawhi had thirty eight in the first game. You're scoring for those three players. Kawhi's got sixty nine points through the first two games. Books got sixty four. KD's got 52, which seems low compared to those two, but he's yeah. averaging 26 points a game so far. <laughs> right, and, and at any point, KD could just go out there and have 44 tomorrow night. You know, I mean, it, you, do it efficiently. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't even know with him. It's like a KD had 44 points on uh, 18 shots somehow. But, but that's that's what makes the series so compelling. You know, when you take that
1: three once again at the end of the second quarter, going into the half, the last shot. And he tied it up, 59-59. It really was setting the table for what we were going to see in that third quarter. Devin Booker scoring 18 points on 7-of-8 shooting in that third quarter. And all I could think of as I was watching that, Going into this game, I thought, you know, Devin, you just had this feeling that Kevin or Devin, um, Kevin has been really, really good as we all know. And Devin hasn't been bad either, but Kevin or Devin, you just felt like somehow, some way, this was going to be Devin Booker's game. And it was. He came out in that third quarter and said, I am a superstar. And if you don't believe it, watch this. That's what superstars do, especially when they were down by 13 in that second quarter. And he was right in the middle of getting them back and And tying that up. he's
2: done it over and over again. That was another thing Eddie said when we had him on earlier. He's like, I don't understand why this guy has to keep proving himself to people. Now, you know, he didn't do it against Dallas in the playoffs last year. Okay, so he's not perfect but he's done this over and over again and it does feel like part of the national audience is like wow did you see Devin Booker last night where did that come from like okay well he's been doing it his entire career uh here's Monty Williams afterwards talking about Booker I was planning on taking him
4: out um the first two minutes of the fourth then he got going and then I said one more play and then one more play and he kept hitting shots (laughs) so I just let him go um But when he's attacking like that, and then he was, you know, knocking down big shots from outside, it just keeps everybody off balance. And I thought the spacing was a lot better tonight. I thought we were um, organized a little bit better than we were the other day. But just having the balance of him and Kevin being able to get to their spots with a live ball helps. But... I thought Chris did a really good job of just putting the ball in Book's hand and saying, You go. And Chris was on the second side. So, you know, Book scores in a number of ways. Um, and when he's going like that, I think the team feeds off of his
2: high level play, if you will. Yeah, I would agree with that. They played, Booker played 45 out of 48 minutes, KD played 44. So that's 89 out of a possible 96 minutes. No oh boy. But, but what are you going to do? You you, I mean, you had to win that game last night. You can't you cannot take him out. Um, but that that's going to be something to watch, certainly going forward. Because you don't <laughs> you're trying to win a title you're not you're not just trying to win the series. Now you can't rest guys in the playoffs. But you you kind of hit on this earlier, Wolf. Now if you're the Clippers, what do you do? We yeah, can't, we can't let Booker do that to us again. Yeah. Okay. Well then Durant's going to do it to you.
1: Yeah, you're going to do that. So you're going to pay what a little bit more attention to Devin Booker now and some of your coverages with Devin Booker. Okay, that's great. Um, for me. I think of Tai Lu. And I think of the nefarious side of Ty Luke, as every coach might do at this point in time. Um, do you think the do you, do you think the Clippers are going to be more physical in Game Three
2: or less physical? Well, they're certainly see, not going to be like, well, let's see what you can do this time. Well, Maybe you can hit forty.
1: You know what? We're going to get. We're going to play a finesse game. How do That's we both go going, to the same voice? I I, I don't know. <laughs> I I imitated you and yeah, what okay, you were doing. But quick. you get my point. Yeah. See, now all of a sudden you've got how. How many minutes did Buck play again? Forty five out of forty five. It
2: was actually, I think, I think he sat two and a half minutes. Okay. at one point, and that was it. So Great. it was like forty five and good, a half.
1: Good, good, good. Yeah, good. Yeah. Uh we're gonna go ahead now. We're gonna lean on Devin Booker Ain't that, right, Todd Lou. You're gonna <laughs> lean on him, right? You're going to lean on KD right
2: now. Well, this is not that Milwaukee series either, where like the Bucks, Giannis got hurt in game one, and it was like, oh, well, they don't play again for another 14 days. Like they still haven't played game two of that series. So this, this Sun series is every other night until what, game five? I think there's a little bit, there's one extra day. But so they're playing again tomorrow, and then they're playing again on Saturday. I, I don't know that the, the minutes concern me right now like for this series, but that might start to add up if you really do go to the third round of the playoffs or something. But the other thing with Devin Booker is he never seems tired. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I know what you're
1: saying. Unless Drew Holiday's on it. Trust me, he is after the game, I'm sure. After the game, he is tired. But why wouldn't you make it more difficult right now? Why wouldn't you make it more physical on these guys right now? I, I think you would. That's what the Clippers did coming into this series. And that's what they're going to do going out of this series. It's only going to get more physical, not
2: less. About Kevin Durant after the game talking about Booker, because the other part of this was, and we'll get into this in a little bit more, but... You know, Devin Booker carrying the ball up the floor, going with Point Book in the middle of a playoff game that harkens back to four or five years ago when the Suns had no other options and they weren't winning games. But last night it was like, hey, it's kind of nice that, that Book is used to doing this from four or five years ago because it freed up Chris Paul, it sped up the pace of the game, and it really just unlocked that Clippers defense because it felt like Booker was telling the Clippers where they should be on the floor. Here's Kevin Durant's assessment of that.
1: I feel like he's
4: an overs- uh, oversized point guard, you know, honestly. <laughs> A guy that can initiate, make plays for others, quick getting to the rim, either hand. You know, so he can do pretty much everything at that point guard position. So when he got it, we played a little faster. You know, we got so many
1: options with him shooting a three, get to the midi or, or the free throw line. So uh, you
4: know,
1: we need to continue to explore all of those options. Yeah, you know, they only had eight fast break points. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Only had eight, but I'll I'll bet you if you go back and look at it. Book was at at the. Core I, of I can all think of, of two those. of them at least off yeah, the top of my head. With I know.
2: That, that intercepted pass, basically, where he dunked it early in the in the second half. That that is so big, though, because you don't have a change of pace from Chris Paul right now. Campaign's still not even playing. It's not like he's playing enough. He's not even playing. <sighs> so if Devin Booker doesn't have that ability to just be the point guard, and this is the stuff that gets lost nationally, where they just like, oh, he had a big game points wise. Okay, he scored. It's like, no, no, he, he he saved their entire offense because he can play, like KD just said right there, he's basically an oversized point guard. Yeah. They don't have a backup point guard right now. Not a traditional one. Uh, all right, so register to win tickets. See the Foo Fighters October 3rd at Talking Stick Resort Amphitheater. Just head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win. When we come back, we will take a quick break from basketball and get to football because... Ian Rappaport gave us some details on what's up with Buddha Baker, and we'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
2: All right, you know it's a fairly big deal if we are going to interrupt Suns Talk for a few minutes, and it's only just going to be for a few minutes. we got Tom Chambers, Bobby Marks coming up next hour, too, Wolf. So the Tommy, of,
1: Tommy, Tommy.
2: Parade of basketball guests uh, continues today, and why shouldn't it? They just won game one, their first playoff game of the season um, last night. But the Buda Baker stuff, it just it feels like an incomplete story, doesn't it? I mean, what, what did we get last week? Oh, yeah. by the way, uh, you're going to your weekend. Uh, Buddha Baker wants to trade. See you. Have a good Saturday. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that was brutal. Now I'm not going to have a good Saturday.
1: It just seems so out of character for Buddha Baker mm-hmm. that Buddha would come out and say he wanted to
2: be traded. So this is what we have Ian Rappaport talking to Pat McAfee on the Pat McAfee show yesterday. I got three cuts here explaining the situation at least a little bit more.
5: No, no, no. I do not believe those situations are situation similar. So you're right. DeAndre Hopkins has permission to seek a trade. Has been, you know, discussing with several teams. We'll see if one happens in the next, I mean, should be in the next week or so, certainly before the draft. I know there's been plenty of discussion, so we'll see if they can get to a price where the Cardinals are okay with. Buddha Baker, it seems to be the opposite.
2: And here's, here's a little bit more on Buda.
5: I learned about the trade request over the last several days, but this has quietly been a reality for Arizona for much longer. Yeah. Really? Um, wants a new deal, um, and I do not believe the Cardinals want to trade him at all, which is what told him. Like, we don't plan to trade you. We want to keep you. And, like, he is, you know, if you watch Hard Knocks, the in-season, that's a great picture. Uh, Because that actually really encapsulates Mm -hmm. him. Like, that's, like... He is the heartbeat of that defense. That's the guy you want to build around, not you want to use like your second round pick. Good use of gifts. Um, not you know, you don't want to use the second round pick to replace him. You want to build with him. So we'll see what happens, but I don't believe they want to trade him at all. Yeah, no, I
2: wouldn't want to trade him either. I, I at would, least some sanity being thrown <laughs> into this situation.
1: I would not want to do that, Basin Onions. I'm not trading Buddha Baker, but I'm also not setting a precedent by giving him a contract when he has two years left on his contract. And I say setting a precedent, Basin Onions, because guess what? You got a brand new regime in Manny Austin Ford and Jonathan Gannon. This this is the proverbial line in the sand. This is an opportunity for the Arizona Cardinals. It is a line in the sand. Can I tell you right now, I know this because my brother Craig is the Steelers radio analyst. And Craig tells me that the Pittsburgh Steelers, they just have a policy where they're not going to renegotiate. They'll tell you when you sit down and you sign a contract. Don't come back in two years on this four-year contract and tell us that you're underpaid. This is the contract. This is the terms of the contract. This is the length of the contract. It's one of the reasons why what happened with Antonio Smith. What, what happened when you think about it? Lev Bell. Yeah. Think of those guys right there, Antonio Brown. He I mean, threw me Anto- off there for I was, what like, did hey, I w- say? I was like, "What did Smith? happen
2: with Antonio?" Smith?
1: Antonio Brown,
2: <laughs> duh. Well, that's another question. Okay. What happened
1: with Remember, Antonio Brown? Those two guys. What happened? Did the Steelers sign them? No,
2: no, they didn't. And there's 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 a lot here. There's a lot to unpack here because on the one hand, what you're saying, if you want to establish that culture, that that seems fair. You signed this contract, you got your guaranteed money why should we have to keep renegotiating two, three years into the deal? Now, the other side to this is, and you've said this before, the team will go to you and be like, Hey, take a pay cut. Now, that's right. It, it's it hasn't been Monty Austinfort doing that. So this is a challenge for him to step in because I'm sure Buda Baker's like, Hey, I got like eight teammates that you guys have come to in the last two years and been like, Well, we need money back. Just give us some money back. So what stops you from doing that in a couple of years to another one of my teammates. But if you're Monty Austinfort, you haven't done that yet. So yes. if you're trying to build this culture, it's weird that you're trying to establish it at the expense of Buddha Baker, but that's kind of where you are right now. I don't think it was intentional, obviously.
1: Yeah, you know, here's my problem with what you're, you're talking about in regard to an individual doing this. When you sign a contract based on onions, um, the more years that are on that contract, the more money you're going to get up front, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just the way it goes. You're going to sign four-year contract? Well, you're going to get X amount guaranteed up front in, a, in the form of a signing bonus. And that's, that's what a lot of guys want. And it's one of the reasons why they go ahead and sign a five-year contract. Oh, you want to sign that five-year contract? You're going to get double X up front. And you know that as a player. So why would you come back as a man? and not honor your contract. Can I just tell you right now, for me personally, I love you know how much I love Buda. Oh, my goodness. There's nobody I respect and love more on that team than Buda Baker. Nobody. But as a man, I'm just saying I couldn't because of how I was raised. My dad raised me where you shake a man's hand, you look him in the eye, and you give him your word? You better honor that to the ground (laughs) okay yeah i get it um there's a lot of people out there that don't subscribe to that point of view but for me i I can't even imagine doing it and i'm just saying you've got an opportunity right now to hit the reset button and say this is how we're going to do things here they didn't do it with kyler murray no no, and, and but they've got a new regime and a new opportunity to do
2: it now. It's um, it's tough. Here, here's one more cut for from Ian Rappaport, and I'll follow that up.
5: They were not giving him a new deal, you know. And okay. I think a lot of the times for first time GMs, it's not just the actions; it's the precedent it sets. And so, if for is giving, even though Buda Baker's awesome, this is just a viewpoint for Montiassiford. You know, if he's giving a star player a new deal with two years left, then he's thinking like. Is every star player going to want a new deal with two years left? That is the, kind of what plays into it. Okay, so counterpoint yes. to this,
2: this is, and it's uh, I, I can't I can't dismiss what you or Ian Rappaport or Monty Austinford apparently are saying. But the counterpoint to this is, it's Buda Baker. You don't have any other star players right now that are going to come to you and, and ask for a renegotiated deal because right now you really just have Buda Baker and a bunch of unproven or unknowns on this team. And this is a weird atmosphere around this team. This is not, oh, you know, they got a bad report card a month ago. No, it's been 16 months of pretty much awful, top to bottom, since that playoff game. You need Buddha Baker. I think there is a way where you could frame this, where you say, okay, we're starting things off. And I know we're setting a bad precedent. We got to have Buddha. It's not because he's a Pro Bowl player. We have to have him. And then just from this point forward, you don't do it. Now, I know. I know what you're going to say. The second you make an exception for one guy, yes. it it it, so, it undercuts what you're saying. Yeah. But this is the only guy you would make that exception for. And it would only be right now because if you sure. lose him, man, I don't know what you have.
1: Yeah. No, I, I know what you're saying, Luke. Yet at the same time, can I tell you right now that agents are laughing at you saying that? No, I know. Because th- there's no. Probably way- all oh, caps. Oh, okay. Because of Buddha. But agents okay, put us in so, this situation. No, no, I know that. I'm just saying because oh, you did it with Buddha, but you're saying now you're not going to do it with anybody. Oh, we'll see about that.
2: But at least with Buddha as a team, I could say anybody you're bringing in. Well, you're not Buddha. You're not Buddha. You're not. This is not. Hey, this is a really. This is our third That's wide what? receiver. We we'll really Like him.
1: There's going to be some guys that are super hyper talented, but
2: they're not Buddha. They don't play the way he plays. Well,
1: how do you know? How do you know that because I haven't I mean, seen a lot of Buddha I'm just saying there's gonna be somebody who's gonna come in here let's say they they draft some guy who comes in here and man he's the best tight end in the history of tight ends okay but you, you're not Buddha what do you mean I'm not Buddha um look, you're look Kyler a Murray president. Kyler
2: Murray's not Buddha yeah. You know what I'm saying? And they yeah, but, paid him. Kyler Murray's again, not Buddha. Not not
1: Monty Ossonfort. But I'm saying. Jonathan but, Gannon. But
2: that's the only guy you would even put close to that level of ultra talented. If Kyler Murray's contract was up next year and he came, or not, you know, but if he came in in, in two years, I'd be like, you're not Buddha. You yeah. don't show up the way he does every game. You've got and a Kyler's new, the only one that's close.
1: You've got a new opportunity right now to go ahead and set a precedent. Set a precedent, period. I'm just telling you. They literally film these guys for the Steelers, literally film them and say, don't come back in two years and tell us you're underpaid because we're not going to do it. But they didn't do that here. Like, I'd be uh, fine
2: if they started doing that right now. But there's no video. You got of- one chance to do it. Start videoing it now when guys sign a deal. You've got uh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so when you got Buddha, if you give Buddha this new deal, film it and say, "Hey, you're not coming back to us in two years. This is how we're doing things now." But (laughs) but they have no footage of Buddha Baker a couple years ago being like, "Hey, I won't come back because nobody was filming it."
1: Yeah, well, some agent's going to go. You gave Buddha Baker the money after he still had two years left on his contract. What what are you doing? Yeah. Oh, oh, it
2: was Buddha. But isn't that the loophole? Isn't that's the loophole? Start doing with the Steelers what you just said they do. Start filming it and film it with Buddha's new deal. Film. Hey, this is how we're doing this now from anybody we have (laughs) film on. We're not renegotiating.
1: Yeah. I just once again, it's
2: setting a precedent that you are renegotiating somebody's contract when they have two years left. But I'm not renegotiating if I have film of me saying we're not going to. And Buddha's next deal, we will have film of that. But I that's a deal that was signed by the old regime. I what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. Because who else on this team right now are you worried is going to come in and say, oh, I got two years left, but I've been so good I need a better deal. There isn't anybody.
1: Yeah, you know, once again, um for me it's just I'm not trading Buddha Baker, but I'm not going to set a precedent. I'm not going to do it. I've got one opportunity to make it clean. And make it right,
2: and we'll see what they do. Well, what do you think happens? I mean because I know
1: once again, listen, are, are you going to admit that it's a rebuild? I am, I've already done it. It's not a total rebuild, and the reason why it's not total is because you got a franchise quarterback. You got somebody to build around. but listen, you're a long way right now from being a team that's going to compete in the NFC West, let alone the NFC. So I, I, I think you need to proceed that way. And if that means, hey, listen, you're, you, you've got this opportunity to set a new foundation for this organization going forward. Yeah, I, I'm not trading Buddha, but I'm not setting a precedent with two years left going into his
2: last year. Now we'll talk. That's what the Steelers do as well. So, give him. So Buddha, you go out there and play this year, and we'll talk going into your last year. Yeah. All right. Because you're right. If you don't trade them and you don't pay them, then there's an unanswerable question of what happens next. Uh, all right. We come back. Back to basketball. What was the biggest factor in the Suns' win over the Clippers last night in Game 2? We'll ask Suns legend and broadcaster Tom Chambers. He will join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.